no matter what your political persuasion, no matter what your affiliations are, that as Montanans, we have more in common that separates us. And if we can get people around the table, landowners, outfitters, sportsmen, conservationists, if they come in good faith and we focus on the things we have in common, we can get a lot done. All right, Governor. Thanks hey. for joining us. Hey, it's good to be with you, Josh. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, it was just uh, like a month or so ago, I think you came through here for a tour. So impressed with you, what you guys are doing here. I mean, from a, a dream that was born out of the pandemic to yeah. a multi-million dollar corporation producing some awesome blades. Yeah, it's been unbelievable. I mean, we're still here on my home property, so we still have a long ways to go. I mean, it's, it's weird we're a lot of people think we're so huge, but we're also still like so far away from where we're trying to head. Yeah. How cool is it? You're producing an awesome product. Yeah. You're dog friendly and hunter friendly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's, uh, it's amazing. And it's really the American people, Montanans, um, the American people, uh, that have the, the, the American made has resonated Yeah, and, and manufacturing in America again. And I think it's awesome that how you've leveraged the Montana brand which mm-hmm. is really now a global brand. It is. And it's associated with uh, freedom. It's associated with uh, free enterprise and outdoor adventure. Yeah. And it all comes together in one place. Hardworking people, blue-collar people, um, honest, help your neighbor, you know, just all the core values that you want your country to be. And that's, you know, for years I would go to knife shows for the last 30 years, I'd be in Atlanta at a blade show or I'd be in New York City or I'd be wherever and people would be standing at my table and they would notice on my business cards, I was from Montana and they'd be like, you're from Montana? I was like, yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, I'm dreaming of going there. What's it like there? And Montana is so aspirational, you know, and then of course that's even blown up more with shows like Yellowstone and whatnot. But between the beauty of the state and then just the core values of the people here, it's it's an amazing place. And- and people have been coming in, and uh, and and it's been, we've been recently had some real success recruiting businesses here. Yeah, and people have said, well, how, how what'd you give these people to get them to move here? We just had a large ammunition manufacturer move to Glendive. They're going to invest mm-hmm. one hundred and twenty five million dollars there and and build primers, which we desperately need in this yeah. country. But the, I was really clear. I said, we're, what we're offering these companies is a quality of life that can't be matched for their employees. Right. And a work ethic that won't quit. Right. And if they want a handout, they should go to Massachusetts. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, with all these people coming here, and this is kind of my thing I've, I've argued with people here is like, people are coming no matter what. People are going to move to our state. So we need to have good high paying jobs. You know, we need to have jobs for these people. And if there was a Montana knife company in, every small county in America, this whole entire nation would be, would be better. You know, we're never going to maybe be the biggest company in America, but solid, you know, we're, we have high paying jobs. We offer benefits. We take care of our people. It's a real family culture here. And I found it, I think easier for us to grow our business because we're in Montana because of the type of people we hire. I have a bunch of young kids downstairs. You've seen them, Mm -hmm. a bunch of young kids, but high value, high ethic people. Yeah. Which is and, Montana. And it's the pride in the work. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, you know, you produce blades like you're producing mm-hmm. and you just, you can feel good when you go home at night. Yeah. It's, I, I had my daughter to work when she was like eight mm-hmm. and I was in the software business, you know, mm-hmm. and 
she shadowed me around for the day and I went home and my wife said, Rachel, what'd you think of daddy's work? And she goes, well, he doesn't work. He just talks on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, speaking, of, speaking of talking, uh, you know, you've, you've met a ton of people. What, what is it like been, what has it been like to be governor of Montana in these last number of years? I have to say it's greatest honor of my life. I've, uh, I'm an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur. I've started five different businesses, mostly mm-hmm. in technology. Uh, and, but now I get to serve the state I love. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I do it together. We, we started five businesses together. We raised four kids together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're serving the state together. Yeah. And I love it. I, I, uh, I did a couple things. I promised the people of Montana I do. I replaced the leadership at all the state agencies. We introduced a new concept. We have good workers at the state, but nobody had ever told them what their job was. Mm-hmm. How do you score points? Like we put 22 people on the football field, didn't tell them where the end zone was. Right. And it's really hard. So <laughs> they all know now. And, and they, they just, they work their tails off. We've, we've changed the culture so that we have adopted more of a customer service attitude. Because mm-hmm. government, you know, mostly gets in the way. Mm-hmm. of small business people. Mm-hmm. Our job is to remove the barriers. This is why we've put so much energy into peeling red tape back, uh, reducing taxes, uh, making it more business friendly because right. it's, it's government doesn't create jobs. They're created by places like Montana knife company and right. other entrepreneurial businesses. And our job in government is mostly to get out of the way. And uh, we, we can use the convening power of the, of my office to bring people together uh, to solve problems. We've done mm-hmm. that for behavioral health. We've done it to increase teacher pay and some other things that we needed to work on. Uh, but uh, we've also used it for business attraction. Yeah, and it's not hard. We go to we go to places that don't embrace freedom the way we do. Right, and it's not hard. We just knock on the door and say, "Hey, you want to move back to America?" Yeah, you yeah. know, and that's yeah. Montana. And this is going to be a sanctuary for freedom. And free enterprise. Yeah. And uh, and then you can succeed based on your efforts. Right. Uh, I, I think nobody gets up in the morning and says, what, what can government do for me today? Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, how do I get government out of the way? Yeah. And, I, and as a business owner, I mean, <clears throat> I still believed when I was going to start this business, the American dream is still alive. Mm-hmm. And now, it's not easy. Nobody's going to hand it to you. I mean, I, I was building this before and after work as a day job as a lineman for Northwestern Energy. I mean, you have to get up earlier and you have to go to bed later and you have to work your weekends. You might not go to a Grizz game. You might not go to the bar. Like when you want to achieve the American dream, at some point you have to sacrifice. And and we've done that. Um, but I've also seen as I've started to grow and we started to have success, the impact that, and not so much with us was it was regulations, but like Taxes, right? You, and you hear people, you hear people talk about corporations and evil corporations, and it's like, man, I'll tell you what. Not first of all, not all corporations are created equal. I mean, a corporation can be a husband and a wife, or it can be Amazon. It, it you know, so to to include everybody in the same thing, and and second of all, like last year when we went to pay taxes, and and you send out over a million dollars in taxes for a two year old business, it just stops you in your tracks. Mm-hmm. You know, and I understand taxes also are are, are 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 critical. There are certain taxes and certain things we have to we have to be good to to give back to our community and community and make sure that we have good roads and we have good bridges and all the all the you know some of the services and stuff, fire and police and all that. But there's 
the the waste that you see, especially at the federal government, and I'll commend Montana. It seems like Montana, especially lately, has really trimmed trimmed it down to a much more efficient form of government. Because when you see what's happened federally, and you send as a small company a million dollars away, that stopped us. Honestly, last year it stopped us for three months. Did you get a return on that investment? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, and and that's the, what's funny is, is, and I won't really say exactly how much, but if we were able to just take a million dollars and put that into steel and hand material and screws yeah. and, and a few employees... Um, we would be in a different spot even today, a much mm-hmm. better spot. Um, yeah. You know, we had to pause. And so the effectiveness or the or the effect that government and over-regulations and over-taxation can have on on that American dream being possible, mm-hmm. it's a real effect. Yeah, and, and it's just a, a truism. No one have, has ever taxed their way to prosperity. Mm-hmm. So we've been working really hard, and, and I'm a fiscal conservative, and when I came into office three years ago, we passed, a, I think, what was a really responsible budget at the state level where we, we funded all the essential services, but we didn't grow government. So mm-hmm. our budget for 2021 and 2022 grew the state spending less than 1% per year. Yeah. And we came into 2023 when our legislature got together, and we had a $2.5 billion surplus. Yeah. So the question is that that's the perfect ingredient for a food fight in the legislature. Yeah. <laughs> so, but what we ended up doing some reasonable things. First, we gave a billion dollars back to the people of Montana, boasting rebates. I got it and, in my my property my property tax with your name on it. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. And also then permanent rate reductions. Yeah. Uh, we still had money left over, so we we fixed what was broken. We put two hundred million dollars into roads and bridges, and we mm-hmm. did it. So. The feds are going to match that nine to one. So we're going to get almost $2 billion into roads and bridges. We fixed behavioral health. We gave our teachers raises. Um, we still had money left over. Mm-hmm. So we paid off all the state debt. So Montana now is completely debt-free. That's awesome. And I that puts us in a better place. I just wish the feds would take yeah. a page out of our book, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. No, and it's... it's uh, I- I'll say... You know, a company like ours, I am very proud of the fact that, you know, we, with only just being a few years old, and and last year we did this actually the beginning of the year, you know, with only a two-year-old company then, and still with all these growth aspirations, all these things that we could be selfish in, we offer 401k mm-hmm. match, um, you know, health insurance, um, you know, dental life insurance, uh, a high paying wage, you know, uh, honestly, we, we offer them unlimited overtime. So if, if you're a motivated employee, you want to work, come work. Um, cause I want, I would want a company to treat my children. Um, I feel like I should treat our employees as a, as another company I would want to treat my kid. You know, if they're 19 years old, they're trying to start out, you know, property. I don't know how a kid in Western Montana is going to graduate high school here and buy property. It's a challenge. And it's not something that I don't think it's something that the government can do anything about. The free market is going to have to work it out. The only way that those people are going to be able to afford to buy property and build homes is to have good jobs available. Yep. And so we're going to need to attract businesses and we're going to need to incentivize business, um, you know, to have higher wages and provide benefits, you know, to help those kids be able to buy homes. But that's, you know? it's just good business to take care of your employees because mm-hmm. the, the labor marketplace is, fiercely competitive and you want the best people because that's your competitive advantage and 
I, I think that's just good business. It, it's like the company we just recruited, German company, we just recruited them to Lewistown, which mm-hmm. is what a cool town, mm-hmm. but not a lot of jobs. I mean, they've been exporting, like most of Montana, they've been exporting beef, grain, and our kids. Right. So we recruited this German firm, Vacom. They're in the advanced manufacturing space. But they're going to invest $90 million there, uh, create 500 jobs, and they're building childcare for all their employees. Mm-hmm. They're building a cafeteria, just like you have, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lunchroom and archery range outside. And, yeah. You know, you're, you're appealing to the people that you want to have work here. And, yep. and as a result, they're more motivated. They work harder. <clears throat> they're more loyal. And uh, they can pursue their version of the American dream as well because they got a good wage. Yeah. And I think the culture of a business is important, you know, and um, like an archery range outside. It's a small thing, right? But how many businesses can the employees go out at lunch break, take a break, stretch their legs, and, and shoot 10 or 12 arrows with their, with their employees that now become, or with their coworkers that now become friends? Mm-hmm. And then those guys go hunt on the weekend together. And what you end up creating is this tight-knit culture that people are actually happy to come to work here. They're excited to come to work. And and I don't have any doubt that like at times it's, it's a job, right? People are going to come, they're going to have their down days and they're not going to want to get out of bed. And we're, we, we grind, we, we grind hard, we push hard, but they can be proud of the work. And I tell them that when you go home at night, you're making something that someone's going to give to their, their son, their grandson, their granddaughter, their mom, their dad, that is going to be a generational item. If you walk into Target today and you look around, everything you see is made to throw away. That's the society we live in. It's a throwaway world. And we're manufacturing something that is going to be passed down for generations. When you make that knife and you're, a, you're an employee putting that thing together, have pride in that, that that, that could become something that the only, that's the only thing they have left from their great-great-grandfather in 100 years. That's something mm-hmm. to be proud of. Yeah. Um, I think one of the best things you've done is that you have a black lab greeting people coming to the front yeah. door. <laughs> Ellie's pretty sweet. Yeah, and she has a stick in her mouth. Speaking of, of little sound, she loves going east uh, <laughs> out there bird hunting. That's for sure. Yeah. So how about how about shot show? Yeah, that was cool. I was uh, ran. It's just funny. I randomly ran into you there, and I saw you had a bunch of businesses. Montana business. You had a breakfast. I'm sorry, I actually didn't make it to it, but I had a meeting. Yeah, but- we had we had a breakfast for all the Montana manufacturers out there, and over two dozen. Uh, Montana gun and ammunition manufacturers were there. I have uh, to say, to, to interrupt you, it, it is cool running into, you know, your own governor at Shot Show because not every governor, not every senator, politician is created equal in this country. And there were some other politicians from other places at that Shot Show, but uh, there was a little sense of pride of me to like, ah, oh, my governor's at Shot Show. That that means something. I, well, it's, cool. I, it's it's such an important part of our industry here. We have. In Montana, we have 150 firearms and ammunition manufacturers. That's more per capita than any other state in the country. Yeah. And we're recruiting more. Uh, I mentioned Brickstale Defense. They're going into uh, Glendive. They're going to be the largest mm-hmm. employer. There were 350 people. Uh, they just We just announced that two weeks ago. And That's then, an awesome thing for that area. And then Olympus Arms uh, is investing uh, $50 million in Helena. They, they make this awesome... Uh, AR style rifle, except the it was voted best to the shot show last year. Mm. The barrel recoils five and a half inches. Oh wow! And so it's it normally they they make their primary caliber is a three hundred eight. It's a military mm-hmm. a carbine. Um, 
normally I think it would kick like a mule. They yeah. took me out to the range two weeks ago and we cut the ribbon on their new factory. Oh, cool. And let me shoot 30 or 40 rounds. And, you know, while you're aiming the thing, even though it's a 308 and you're pulling the trigger, there's so little recoil. You can keep the scope on the target the entire time. Yeah. And that's awesome. So this was invented by a Montanan, uh, Mike Marino. And uh, he, he's now, he, he was making them one at a time. Now he's making a hundred at a pop. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty exciting. And, and again, we've, we've got 150 firearms and ammunition manufacturers. Uh, we were not down at shot show. It was really a, a business attraction opportunity for us. Cause right. there's still uh gun and, ammunition manufacturers trapped in states that don't embrace the second amendment the way Montana does. Yep. And that's a huge opportunity for us to bring more of this advanced manufacturing and jobs. And it's consistent with our way of life. And it's just a good opportunity for Montana. And, and there again with manufacturing, whether it's knives or guns, ammunition, manufacturing, isn't just the jobs it creates in that, in that own, its own building. Uh, machine shops around around those manufacturers. We have machine shops doing work for uh, equipment that's going to be being mounted in our CNC machines. So you're hiring outside shops. There's ancillary businesses around those businesses that that don't get counted in the job count. These manufacturing businesses are so important. Um, they're environmentally clean. They take care of their employees, and they're sustainable for the long range. Like uh, proof rifles. If you look at the success of proof. And a lot of people think it's, you know, it's a rifle company, which it is, but they're also making stuff that gets mounted to the space shuttle. Yeah. I mean, it's an aerospace program. Yeah. The other thing that's true about this sector is that the bulk of their product is shipped out of state. Yep. And, and we love vibrant main streets with coffee shops and pizzerias and restaurants, and that's great, but they tend to recirculate local dollars. Yeah. A company like Montana Knife Company or Proof or Brickstell or uh, Vacom, the bulk of their product is shipped out of state. What comes in is the revenue. Right. And what it does is it, economists tell us that when you bring another dollar into a community, it tends to bounce around five to seven times before it yeah. lands. And that's what's making those restaurants more viable, the pizzerias, uh, the coffee shops, it's what's allowing your employees to buy homes. I mean, it's it's just a virtuous thing. And in the process, uh, you know, we're increasing the size of the economic pie in Montana, and everybody yeah. gets a bigger slice. Yeah. No, and I, I'm so glad you said that. Uh, you know, we, we've hired 52 people in the last 18 months, and or to two years. And those dollars are, they do bounce around. Those those people spread on the weekends and these kids, you know, frankly, most of our employees are under 30 years old. They go spend their money. I mean, I do have, I do preach to them a little bit like, please save some money. But you're right, those dollars do bounce around and, and 95% of our revenue comes from out of state. Mm -hmm. But it's all coming into this state and then it's being spread around, like you said. And I, I think that's something that a lot of people just don't understand. That's where manufacturing, again, it just wins and over and over and over, it's it's a win for the state. What um what? So you're you're in election time, right? Mm -hmm. You're coming up. You're on the ballot again this fall. Uh, what are your big kind of initiatives or pushes for you know going into your next term? What do you want to accomplish in your next term? Yeah. So <clears throat> I ran on two really simple concepts: more good paying jobs, so we don't have to export our kids and grandkids, mm -hmm. and secondly, protect our way of life. 
Yeah. And so nothing's different about the agenda. We've made great progress. I mean, we got the economy going. Prior to me coming into office, uh, we, in 50 years prior to me being in office, we only had unemployment at 3% in three months out of 50 years. Since I've been in office, because of the tax reductions we did, because of the regulatory relief, um, we've had 24 consecutive months at 3% or lower in unemployment. Mm-hmm. So it's working. Sure. Um, I, I, always, I played football in high school, and I always use football analogies, but I, I believe football games are won with three- to five-yard plays. So what are you going to see next time? No surprise, taxes are going to be lower again. What we're doing as our economy heats up, we're going to fund essential services, but we use any structural surplus that we have to buy down rates. Right. One of the biggest things for manufacturers was our increase in the exemption on business equipment tax. Yeah, uh, This is like a, it's a sales tax that Montana charges every business, every farmer, every rancher, on every construction company, on every backhoe. It's an annual sales tax on business equipment. Uh, you pay it on everything you got down in the shop downstairs. Mm-hmm. When I came into office, the exemption, the portion that you didn't have to pay it on was about was $100,000. In two sessions, we've raised that exemption to a million dollars. Yeah. And in the process, we've taken 5,000 small businesses in Montana off the business equipment tax rolls entirely. Right. Uh, but as businesses start to get scale, like Montana Knife Company, you buy more equipment and you start hitting that again. So yeah. we're going to, my goal would be to raise that exemption even higher. Right. And the goal would be to get every Montana small business off that because it's a it's a disincentive to invest back in the business. I'd rather have you put money into salaries right. than paying the government for the honor of owning equipment. It just doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah, and it's it's already such a huge burden to buy you know equipment these days. Yeah, I grew up in the excavation business in Lincoln. My parents own an excavation business that I've been there for forty years and. You know, buying a backhoe, buying a dump truck, an excavator, the prices on all of that equipment have just skyrocketed. So it's already a huge burden. But that that piece of equipment is going to turn around in that community <clears throat> and help that community for for years and years create jobs. You know, and it's funny you say a hundred thousand dollars. It's crazy because that used to to be a lot of money, and it, and it, and it still is for an individual. But that doesn't that does that pays for a half of one of our CNC machines, and we yeah. just we just bought four. Um, but those machines are going to turn around and produce revenue and, and create more jobs for, for decades. Those machines will run on our floor for decades. Yeah. And I'd say the second thing is then protecting the Montana way of life. And I'm proud of what we've done so far. We made Montana constitutional carry state. Uh, we passed a law that says Montana law enforcement does not have to enforce unconstitutional federal gun restrictions. Uh, we've, Using some of the Pittman-Robertson money that we've Mm -hmm. gotten for conservation, Uh, we've increased access to our public lands. One one project we did up in the Big Snowies, um, we expanded access to 100,000 acres in national forests that Mm -hmm. had no access previously unless you were willing to hike 20 miles over the top of the ridge, you know. So uh, we're going to continue to do that. We've mapped every river in the state and identified access deserts, and we're targeting uh, either easement acquisition or small land acquisitions to put boat ramps and campgrounds on every navigable <clears throat> river in the state. And it's going to 
you know, we've made a lot of progress, but there's still rocks in the rock pile. So, you know, that, that might sound like a small thing, but I, I don't actually want to gloss over that. You have, you and I have never discussed this, but you know, we work hard here. It's Thursday, Friday night, it's July. And I have four young kids, you know, or well, they're not young anymore. They're in high school, but you know, this whole time of them growing up and we decide, you know, let, let's head to the river, let's go camping, let's go to the lake. And, you know, because of the tourism in Montana, because of the beauty and the draw for our state, there's a few different times we've gone to try to go camping and we end up in my parents' driveway in Lincoln. You know, you can't find a camp spot. Um, <clears throat> I, that is something that I absolutely support is the state using some dollars to provide access for, you know, unfortunately too, a lot of these, you know, kids have to grow up in an apartment or they live in town and maybe don't have access to get out. Um, you know, my kids, they can kind of walk to the river from right where we're at, but that's a rarity. We need to be able to provide that outdoor touch where a kid can go camp with their family and car camp or you know the the local montanans can go find a spot um you know in addition to the to the out-of-staters as well and then the access to the river the fishing um all that kind of stuff you you come back to the office on monday after spending a weekend in the woods you're you're just a you're a better place you're a better place mentally physically and and i my wife and i love to get out yeah we just we float a lot of the rivers. So last year we floated the North Fork of the Flathead all the way from the Canadian border back down oh, almost amazing. to Kalispell. Yeah. And you know, we didn't see anybody for three yeah. days. I mean, virtually anybody. What and, does the, uh, what does the state, you know, we're, we're obviously in this outdoor industry. What, what part does the state or do you guys have, and, and maybe it's probably nothing, but like in regards to like the grizzly bear issues and the wolf issues and some of those, and I understand our, our fish, wildlife and parks, quite frankly, and I, I argue this all the time when I travel, that they're trying their best. I mean, mm-hmm. they keep running into activist, activist judges and, you know, environmental groups, but, um, you know, what, what, what part can you play or do you guys play at all in, in some of the, the management of those? Well, I issues? get, I get to appoint the, uh, fish and wildlife commission members and, and now, all of them I've appointed, uh, it, they have a tough job. Yeah. And because, you know, when I came into office, we had a lot of conflict mm-hmm. between landowners, sportsmen, and uh, the outfitters and the conservation community. Mm-hmm. And honestly, something really her- uh, uh, historic happened during this session in 2023. We brought conservation groups to the table we brought landowners to the table. We brought the outfitters to the table. We brought sportsmen to the table. And we came up with a package of bills that passed the legislature and I signed into law. I'll give you one example. Uh, we have a great program. We, my view is we ought to be doing everything we can to increase access to lands. A lot of our lands are privately held. Yep. So how do you do that? Well, we're not going to confiscate private property rights because right. that would be illegal and not right. Right. Um, but we should have programs that encourage private property owners to allow, on a voluntary basis, public access. Yep. That program for the state is called block management. It's, an, it's the best program in America for outdoorsmen. Well, I think it'd get better. But so, <laughs> so what we did, we did a couple of things. One is we, the, the amount of money that could go to a landowner was capped. And this discouraged some very large landowners from opening up their property because it just wasn't worth the hassle. So we doubled the cap from $25,000 to $50,000. Now, they only get paid for people that actually come on their property. But if somebody has a large tract of land and they're willing to put allow access, why wouldn't we compensate them for it? Having an arbitrary cap didn't make sense. 
The other thing we hope to do, we haven't announced this yet, so I'll announce it here on your podcast. Yeah, awesome. But uh, we run block management kind of like with a stone tablet and a chisel. You know, it's an old, you got to sign in the box. Yep. And, you know, if you've driven three hours to go hunt some birds in central Montana and you show up and the box isn't there right. or it's already full for that day, that's kind of frustrating. Right. So complementing what we currently have, we're looking at, can we do some kind of online reservation system? Mm-hmm. So you could go on and say, I want to hunt birds. What's available in this county or in this area of the state and say, yeah, I'll be there next Tuesday and sign up online, then when you get there, instead of, you know, in O-Dark 30 with a headlamp trying to figure out how to fill out the paperwork and there's no pencil, mm-hmm. you're already signed in, you just go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's really cool. And, and the, the block management program, and I, and I have to say, like, personally, thank you to the farmers and ranchers that sign up for that stuff yep. because they don't have to do it. Uh, they ha- they are putting a lot of trust in us as outdoorsmen to take care of their land and to treat it respectfully um, and it's not the norm. And that's where a lot of Montanans, I grew up, um, just, you know, basically, um, naive to the fact that I just thought this is the way it worked everywhere. And mm-hmm. then you go to Texas and you realize, oh, it's 99% private and you have to pay a lease to get on any of it. Well, I, we have good rules like our, um, uh, you know, in, in Colorado, if you, uh, fish a stream, you can't put a vo- a, a foot out of the boat. Right. Cause the stream bed is owned by the private property owner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, the fact that you can uh, walk this, the high water You know, you're going here. down this river. Here's this beautiful riffle. You want to get out and fish it? Right. And you can't. Right. In Montana, you can, but not in Colorado. Right. No, and that is. that is it's, a, it's an amazing thing to be able... You see people all the time. I have a fly fishing raft, and I can pull over with my kids and have a sandwich. And, you know, um, it doesn't matter how wealthy the property owner is or how many gates they have. As long as you're staying in that high water mark and you're being respectful of the land. Yeah, we, we raised our kids... <laughs> float in the Yellowstone, mm-hmm. you know, we, we'd put in someplace in Paradise Valley, pull out at, you know, Columbus yeah. after four days of camping on the islands. And yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's phenomenal. And, and we, that block management program, the public lands in Montana, the access, um, it makes this place incredibly special. Yeah. And one, know? this is one of the things that I, I absolutely believe. I, I believe no matter what your political persuasion, no matter what your, uh, or, you know, your uh, uh, affiliations are that as Montanans, we have more in common that separates us. Yeah. And if we can get people around a table, landowners, outfitters, sportsmen, conservationists, mm-hmm. if they come in good faith and we focus on the things we have in common, we can get a lot done. Yeah. And, and that's what happened last legislative session. This block management's one example, uh, but there were a number of other victories that had never occurred before. You put people behind a keyboard Mm-hmm. when they can't see somebody in the eye right and they turn ferocious yeah and nasty yeah. and this is why my susan and i the first lady we entertain almost every night we're in helena i had mm-hmm. uh 40 some people at the house last night for dinner i have another 40 people coming tonight uh last week we had all the bankers tonight it's the fwp folks and there's no agenda except break bread together get to know each other yeah so that we don't suspect the worst yeah and i i said that uh, i sat in on a on a veteran suicide panel down at shot show that tim kennedy and and some people uh um server are through the independence fund put on down there and that was the big takeaway was was getting people back together and actually like if you know even in in that space you know one way to 
to actually see the signs of that kind of stuff is to be together. And we think we're actually uh, connected with, with social media. And in a way, we're more connected now than we've ever been. I can communicate with people all over the globe. And when I was a kid making knives, I had to write letters to Europe and, to customers. And some of it's true. And some of it's, yeah. <laughs> and then the other side of it is, is we're actually less connected than we've ever been. You know, I go to a Frenchtown Bronx basketball game to watch the girls basketball. You know, in the 1970s and 80s and 90s, you'd go to the, you know, Jordan, Montana, or you go to Glendive, you go to a basketball game, the place is packed because that was the event in the community. And mm-hmm. that's when you got to see your neighbors and you're checking on everybody you know, the, the community, uh, you know, center, the church, basketball game, events like that. That was the real connection. And that was when people, you know, stood around, talked and agreed to disagree. And like you said, there was that human part of it. But you you silo yourselves into keyboards and behind a screen. And you're literally fighting over topics with a person that might live across the street from you. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and um, I, I agree wholeheartedly, you know, we as citizens just want to see the government officials get together in a room and work together and bring lots of voices into the room, hopefully voices that can be reasonable and respectful of both sides and get shit done. Yeah, and I, I'll say that I, I spent three and a half years in Washington in Congress, and you know it was like shirts and skins all the time. I mean, it was, it was bad. <clears throat> um, Montanans could be proud. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, a, we have a legislature, I believe last session, something like two-thirds of the bills that made it to my desk had bipartisan support. That's great. And- I think as Montanans, we can be proud of that because as Montanans, we have more in common than separates us. Yeah. And let's, if we, if we focus on what we have in common rather than what separates us, there's a lot more uh, forward progress we can make. I love it. Well, I know you got other stuff to get to. Um, do you got anything else you want to cover? Any places you're going to be? Or? How was your hunting season? It was amazing. <laughs> uh, the only, my only regret was I didn't hunt Montana enough with my kids. And that's why I said next year, uh, you know, this year I took some other people hunting. I had a lot of trips, um, but I have a very finite, small amount of time left with my kids. So this year I'm going to be back out in that block management stuff. The, my favorite hunts, honestly, are, head, honestly, are heading out past Lewistown into that Jordan country, the Missouri River breaks, block management, pick a spot with lots of dots on the map, on an Onyx map, and go mule deer hunt, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, mostly the reason for that is hunting forces you to get out into areas of the state that you don't otherwise see when you're mm-hmm. just doing, and that's, you know, being governor, I think that's probably got to be one of the best parts is you're visiting communities and places that you just don't go in your normal travel. And when, when you're out hunting, you meet those farmers and ranchers. And mm-hmm. I, I get to every County every year, all 56 counties. And I'll start that up again in April this year. And I, I'd love, it's the best part of the job. Yeah. And I, you know, it's just, you get it's, people say, well, what's your favorite part of the state? It's like all of it. Why would you have to pick something? It is you know? amazing. And uh, so it's, and the other thing I think is just awesome, especially for those people listening that aren't here in Montana. You know, we get to hunt big game 11 out of 12 months. If you're willing to switch species and weapons, you can hunt big game 11 out of 12 months. So it's almost, uh, you know, incorrect to say, how was your hunting season? Because it's never over. Right. And the one month you can't hunt, which is July. You hunt big fish. Fish is pretty good. Fish <laughs> yeah. is pretty good. Yeah. No, no, it's it's an incredible state. It's a sportsman's paradise. Um, I appreciate that you're someone who, who appreciates that part of it, the sportsman's part. Um, you know, you mentioned the Pittman-Robertson Act. It's sportsmen and their dollars that, that really drive – 
conservation efforts and trail clearing and access issues and even you know uh, conservation groups like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and what they do and their you know their slogan is hunting is conservation mm-hmm. it is yep it and it and you look back I mean at uh, wildlife policy particularly in uh, African countries where they've taken different approaches yeah uh, the ones that have fostered uh, a science based hunting ethic have much more vibrant populations there's an industry people's Mm -hmm. livelihoods are tied to it and ones that haven't have seen near extinction of wildlife and we we have a lot to be proud of in the conservation that's going on here in the state and we need to continue to embrace that and support it yeah i absolutely agree that's why we don't need bureaucrats in washington tell us how to manage our wildlife i agree i was actually just on the phone with senator danes the other day he was uh we were chatting about a few things what a great guy um, I think we have, you know, Montana has sent some really good representatives out there. And, um, you know, I, I feel like we have really good people looking out for our state. So I, I really appreciate you coming by. Appreciate the support. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate and, and the I, last when, last time you were here, you were like, well, I just promised to stay out of your guys' way. We appreciate that. <laughs> well, I hope you have a very prosperous year. All right. Thank you, Governor. Yeah, thanks, Josh.